Welcome back to another episode on Revival Way. Today we're going to be talking about destroying, totally crushing the power of sin in your life once and for all. If you've grown up in church or you've gone to churches, odds are you've probably heard at least one time a pastor get up at the pulpit and say, how many of you know we're all sinners, we sin every day, we sin every week, and just totally sin conscious all the time? Well, I want to let you know that that's totally anti-Bible. <laughs> and I didn't realize this until about a year into my Christian walk. And I realized that the Bible had a lot to say about being totally set free from the power of sin. I didn't have to struggle with addiction. I didn't have to struggle with lust. I didn't have to struggle with all of these things. Good, Alicia. I'm so glad that you got your books. I didn't have to struggle with all of these things that these preachers were telling me that Christians had to struggle with every day. As a matter of fact, the Bible told me that what Jesus did on the cross set me free from those things. All I had to do was believe it, receive it, and walk in that reality. And ever since then, that's been my reality. Totally set free from depression, anxiety, any type of addiction. All these things that consumed me before being born again are out of my life. I have nothing to do with them, and they have nothing to do with me. All that's in me now is God's word, and just like the Bible says, I am the righteousness of Christ Jesus, in, or I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And that's your reality too, if you're willing to believe it and walk in it. So I want to let you know right now, if you're listening to me, and you've got, you've got secret sin in your life, you've got addiction, you've got things that have been tormenting you that you haven't been able to break free from, you are going to be set free from it now. You're going to be set free from it even during this message. I want you to hear what the Bible says. So first, let's start in Romans chapter 3. Romans chapter 3. Verse 23. Because this is where everybody gets caught up at. They get to this. They'll read this. They'll quote this scripture. But then they just like sit on this scripture and they never move on past this point. But the Bible has a lot to say about going past this verse. Romans 3.23 For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The reality is every person outside of Jesus Christ has sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The Bible is very clear about that. But let's read the whole thing. Romans chapter 3. Let's start in verse 21. But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and the prophets bear witness to it, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. So I want you to say, if you believe in Jesus as your Lord and Savior, I want you to write this down, type it in the comments. I want you to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. When you're born again, the Bible says you're justified in Christ. For there is no distinction. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and are justified by His grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ, whom God put forward as a propitiation by His blood 
to be received by faith. This was to show God's righteousness, because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. So when you are in Christ, hello on YouTube, by the way, Anna, good to see you. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17, that when you are in Christ, when you are born again, you are born a new creation. I want you to write that down, type it, or like I say, text it to your grandma. I want you to identify with the fact that the Bible says you are a new creature, a new species, born again. No longer born of carnal, sinful nature, but born again of the Spirit of God. It says all things have passed away. Behold, all things are new. Not some things. All things are new. So when you are in Christ, it is impossible for you when you get born again to live how you used to live. And I'll show you what the Bible says about it. Let's start in 1 John chapter 3. So we read Romans 3 to first initialize that the Bible is very clear. All have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. But the Bible doesn't stop there. Amen. The Bible keeps going. 1 John chapter 3 Starting in verse 28, we're going to read quite a bit here, so stick with me. And now, little children, abide in him, so that when he appears, we may have confidence and not shrink from him in shame at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, you may be sure that everyone who practices righteousness has been born of get, again, born of him again. That's right, Colton. People love to stop there. So everyone that practices righteousness, that is the fruit to which you can tell they've been born of Christ. Which means obviously the other way around is the fruit that you can tell comes from a bad tree if they practice unrighteousness, wickedness, lawlessness is what the Bible calls it. Let's keep going. 1 John 3 starting in verse 1. That was the last two verses of 1 John 2. 1 John chapter 3 verse 1. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. The reason why the world does not know us is that it did not know Him. Beloved, we are God's children, and what we will be has not yet appeared. But we know that when He appears, we shall be like Him, because we shall see Him as He is. And everyone who thus hopes in Him purifies himself, as he is pure. So I want you to highlight that part right there. Hello, everybody on YouTube. Sammy Lynn, good to see you. D, good to see you. Novi, good to see you. Everybody who is in Christ purifies themselves as he is pure. How do we purify ourselves? By the washing or the cleansing of God's word. Remember, it says in Romans 12 too, we don't conform to the patterns of this world but instead we are transformed by the renewing of our mind. As God's word gets in you, faith cometh by hearing, and hearing God's word. As it gets in you, it cleans you from the inside out, and it forces all the junk out. It breaks off all the sin. It breaks down the strongholds. It liberates you because the Bible says where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. Whom the Son sets free is free indeed. So when Jesus sets you free, 
and God's Holy Spirit abides in you and you in Christ as Christ is in the Father, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty. No longer bondage, no longer a slave to sin, but a slave to righteousness. Let's keep reading. Verse 4. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness. Sin is lawlessness. Highlight that one. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. Highlight that one. And in him there is no sin. So the Bible makes it very clear that we are to abide in Jesus. And in 1 John 3, we see that Jesus came to take away sin. So when we abide in him, we are not abiding in sin. Instead, we are abiding in righteousness. We're abiding in Christ. Verse 6. No one who abides in him keeps on sinning. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or knows him. Boom. A direct confrontation and conflict to how a lot of preachers preach the gospel. If you ever hear a pastor or a preacher get to the pulpit and say, How many of you know we sin every day? They are insane and you need to run away from that church. That is totally anti-Bible, anti-God, anti-Jesus, anti-everything to do with being a Christian. You don't take sin lightly. You can't. You can't make room for it. This life is preparing you for the life to come. There's no room to make room for sin. You don't have time for that. The Bible says that in God, He is light. There is no variable of change. Change, no shadow of turning. He is the Father of lights. In Him there is no darkness. No darkness. So the Bible says that we are to be pure as He is pure. Holy as He is holy. Praise God. Verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous as he is righteous. So it says right after. Jazzy, I know you got some questions. Just listen. Let me, let me finish and all your questions are going to be answered. Just let me keep preaching. You keep paying attention. So right afterwards, he says, little children, let no one deceive you. How would you be deceived if you abide in any other doctrine other than that? So he's saying, don't be deceived. What I just told you is the truth. Anyone who continues to live in sin is not born of God. Anyone who preaches otherwise is a deceiver and is deceived themselves. Verse 8, here's your proof. Whoever makes a or whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil, for the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. For God's seed, the Holy Spirit, abides in him. And he cannot keep on sinning because he's been born of God. By this, it is evident who are the children of God and who are the children of the devil. Whoever does not practice righteousness is not of God, nor is the one who does not love his brother. So the Bible says very clearly 
that when you are born of God and God's Holy Spirit lives in you, it is impossible for you to make a practice of sinning. Now, Jazzy asked a good question. She said, does this mean we are to be perfect? In the Gospel of Matthew, Jesus said you are to be perfect as your Father is perfect. But here's the thing. Perfection is not a destination. Perfection is a path. That's how the Bible defines perfection. It says the road that leads to destruction is broad and wide and many find it. But the road that leads to eternal life, perfection, is narrow and straight and few find it. Perfection is not a destination until you are until you enter into the joy of the Lord. Until then perfection is a path. I want you to write that down. Being holy as he is holy, perfect as our father is perfect is a path. Practice determines your path. What you practice in this life determines your path. If you practice righteousness, you are looked at by God as perfect. If you do not, you are looked at as a child of the devil. So if you make a practice of sinning, you are a son or a daughter of your father, the devil. But let's read this again. Verse 8. Whoever makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason that the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Hey, Jay, good to see you, brother. So, Jesus appeared to destroy the power of sin. If you are born again of God, Jesus is your Lord and your Savior, and he's baptized you in the Holy Ghost, you are free from sin. Now, I should have started off with this, but I'll, I'll cover this now. What exactly is sin? The Bible defines sin as willful transgression against God, His Word, and His ways. That is the biblical definition of sin. Willful transgression against God's Word and His ways. So, before being born again, you were a slave to your carnal nature. You were a slave to sin because your flesh desires sin. But when you're born again, your spirit becomes empowered by the Spirit of God to take control over your flesh. That's what the entirety of Galatians 5 is all about, which we'll get into in uh, part 3, I believe. All right, so we found out what is sin. It's willful transgression against God's word and God's ways. Is it God's will for you to be set free from the power of sin? Yes. Has everyone sinned and fallen short of the glory of God? Yes. But have we been empowered to walk out of sin? Absolutely. And it's a requirement. Now, really quickly, before we go to our next chapter, I want to go to 1 John chapter 1 and chapter 2. Because this is the scripture that people will use to back up living a lifestyle of sin. They'll use 1 John chapter 1, verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. That is the verse that they use. But very rarely, if ever, will you hear somebody read that whole chapter and the two verses afterwards. You have to remember, the Bible was not spoken out of the mouth of God in chapters and verses. 
man put it in chapters and verses. These were written as letters, so you have to read them together in order to get the full context. 1 John chapter 1, starting in verse 5. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you, that God is light, and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light or holy as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus his son cleanses us from all sin. If Jesus' blood cleanses you from all sin, do you still have sin? No. The blood of Jesus destroys the yoke of sin. When you are cleansed in the blood of the Lamb, the power of sin is broken off of your life. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar, and his word is not in us. But go to the very next verse. 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. So, he straight up says, I'm writing these things to you so that you do not sin. But if you do end up sinning, you have an advocate. But we just saw two chapters over. We do not make a practice of sinning or else we don't have God in us. But by God's spirit in us, he empowers us to live a life free from sin. Praise the Lord. I want you to type this in the comments for me. Say, today is the day I live a life free from sin. Amen. And I want you to believe it in your heart. Confess it out loud even. I feel it now. I can already feel it in the spirit. This is clicking for people. Right now, God's spirit is speaking to you. And he's making this a reality in your life. He's revealing to you that you are able by his power, by his spirit, to live a life free from sin. Praise the Lord. Next, go to Romans chapter 6. That's right, Thomas Randall. Romans chapter 6. Glory to God. I see all of you on YouTube. That's right. I see your comments. God bless you. Today's your day. You live a life free from sin. Alright, I'm going to read a good chunk here now. Romans 6 starting in verse 1. This will give you a bird's eye view of what it looks like to no longer be under the slavery of sin, but in fact, sin is now a slave to you. Romans 6 verse 1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? I want you to type that in the comments. Say, I have died to sin. Do you know... Do you not know that all of us who have been baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were buried therefore with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in the newness of life. You have new life in Christ. Praise God. 
For if we have been united with him in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought to nothing. Sin has been brought to nothing. Pastor Stan, God bless you. I love you. The power of sin has officially lost its grip on your life forever. You are a slave to righteousness, no longer a slave to sin. Verse 9, we know that Christ being raised from the dead will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. I want you to type that in the comments. Believe it in your heart and confess it with your mouth. I've died to sin. I'm alive to God. I'm a holy vessel. I'm blameless and holy before the Father, is what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. That we were predestined before time to be blameless and holy before the Father by the blood of Jesus. Praise the Lord. Isn't that a good feeling? To know that sin no longer has dominion over your life. To know that you are no longer a slave to addiction, to lustful desires, to money and greed and pride and hatred and anger. All of that stuff goes out the window when you're plugged in with Jesus. Verse 12. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body to make you obey its passions. So do not let sin reign in your body. Get sin out of your body. Do not present yourselves, your members, to sin as instruments for unrighteousness. But present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life, and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. For sin will have no dominion over you, since you are not under the law, but you are under grace. I want you to type this in the comments and believe it and speak it. Sin no longer has dominion over me. And that's your reality. That's your truth. Sin no longer has dominion over you. You have, excuse me, dominion over sin. Praise the Lord. You've become a slave to righteousness. I remember just a couple months ago, we had a, we had a tent crusade up in Minnesota. And, uh, well, I just won't even, I won't give too many details. There was a certain minister that went up to the pulpit and, uh, and quoted 1 John 1 verse 8 and said, I've been thinking about all the sin that I've committed this week and, and all this stuff. And I'm just, we were taking communion or something. I can't remember. And he said something like, uh, he, he was a pastor. And he said, I've just been thinking about all the, the sinning I've been doing all week. And, and I'm just so thankful that God forgives us when we sin. And I mean, his wife is there. His whole congregation's there. And I'm just flabbergasted. Like what? And I know this guy. Like I know that he's not running around going to strip clubs, going to the bar. I mean, maybe he's got something going on in his personal life, but I don't think so. As far as I know, this guy lives holy. But he's been he was trained through seminary and through religion. 
to think that he's just, once he's born again, he's still a dirty, rotten sinner. It makes no sense. And you got to be careful because your words will ensnare you. What you confess out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. As a man believes in his heart, so is he. If you believe in your heart that you're a dirty, rotten sinner and you sin every day, it won't take long before you're a dirty, rotten sinner sinning every day. And I just remember my heart breaking because I was so confused. How? How is this guy getting up in front of a congregation <laughs> claiming himself as a dirty, rotten sinner that sins every day, but yet he's leading sheep? It made no sense to me. You can't, you can't be a saint and be a sinner at the same time. You're either born again and you're a saint or you're a sinner and you need to be born again and made into a saint. But you can't be both. You cannot be both. It's a lie from the pit of hell. So you see it in God's work. God's intention is for you to be free from sin. Be free from addiction. Be free from pornography. Be free from lust. All of those things. There's freedom in the name of Jesus. And whom the Son sets free is free indeed and free forever. Praise the Lord. Last point, and I'm going to leave you on this. There's a quote that I heard once that goes like this. Get rid of sin or sin will get rid of you. Get rid of sin, or sin will get rid of you. It is crucial to get sin out of your life. By the grace of God, by the power of the Holy Ghost, get rid of sin out of your life, or sin will get rid of you. God's intention is for you to live a holy life, set apart from the world. That's what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 16 says. Be holy as your Father is holy. Be set apart, separate, live above the world. And watch how God will use and transform your life. He'll use, he'll bless you and he'll use you to be a blessing. That's what all 1 John chapter 3 is about. Romans 6, you have dominion over sin. And you can go read Galatians 5 and Romans 8 about how to walk in the Spirit of God and to not gratify the desires of the flesh. It is possible when you're born again. I remember I got baptized in water, but I wasn't baptized in the Holy Spirit yet, four years ago. And I was being sanctified by God from the inside out. There was about a year and a half time period where the Lord was sanctifying me. I had Holy Spirit living inside of me, so if I ever went to a party or I ever looked at something I wasn't supposed to look at, said something I wasn't supposed to say, listened to something I wasn't supposed to hear, anything that would convict the Spirit of God would convict me. And God began to cleanse me from the inside out. Remember, Jesus said, if you clean the inside of the cup, the outside will clean itself. You get somebody born again and filled with the Holy Ghost, the rest will take care of itself. God's Spirit does the work. Remember, he said in Zechariah 4.6, it's not by might, it's not by power, it's by my spirit, says the Lord. God's Holy Spirit in your life will do all the heavy lifting. Hallelujah. So I remember going through about a year and a half of sanctification in my life. And there's probably people that are listening to this right now, you're going through the same thing. There came a time where I grew so disgusted with sin that I officially made it my duty to never, ever interact with 
with sin again. I drew a line in the sand where I said, I'm not going to live in sin. I've turned away from sin. I want nothing to do with sin anymore. And when that was my heart posture, I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And I received the power to furthermore walk a holy, righteous life, sin-free, as well as to do the works of the ministry. Just like it says in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, In that day you'll be endued with power from on high, and then you'll be my witnesses. So when I got born again, I had to be sanctified from the inside out from all of this sin that was in my life. And once the Lord had cleansed me and made me whole and restored me, He then empowered me to go out and set other people free. There's an old saying that goes, free people, free people. Praise the Lord. When God sets you free, he'll then empower you to go set other people free. And that's what happened. And now he turned me into a preacher. Praise the Lord. So I want to pray for people right now. People that need freedom from sin. You've heard it. It's God's will for you to be set free. God intends for you to be set ablaze for him. God intends for you to be empowered by his spirit to live a life free from sin and to go on helping other people live free from sin. If that's you right now and you know that you need a fresh touch from heaven, you know that you need to be empowered from on high, then I want to pray for you. And as I pray for you, the fire of God is going to burn off the ropes of bondage that have held you back. You're going to be set free in that addiction, that lust, that temptation, all that wickedness is going to leave your life today in a hedge of protection. The sealment of the Holy Ghost is going to come on your life. And you will have the power to walk a life free of sin. Before I pray for you, I want to read you one more thing. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Verse 12, 1 Corinthians 10, verse 12. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. That's what the Bible says. All sin, all temptation is common to man. But listen to this. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. There's no sin that is too great for you to walk away from. The Bible says God will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you can endure. So God, by his power, will allow you today to walk a sin-free life. Praise the Lord. Let me pray for you if that's you right now. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, I release the fire of heaven to burn off and destroy every yoke of bondage in people's lives now, in Jesus' name. Every addiction is broken. Every anxiety and depression is lifted, bound, and set to the pit of hell forever. Father, baptize them in your Holy Ghost. Set them ablaze for you. Open their eyes in their hearts 
and give them a hunger for righteousness. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. God intends for you to live a righteous life. Hallelujah. Praise the Lord. Well, if you got some value from this, type amen in the comments for me. Praise the Lord. Amen and amen. God bless you, everybody. Before we get going, I'm going to give people an opportunity to give. As you know, if you've been following the ministry, I'm a full-time preacher. This is my ministry, Revival Way. We reached 150 million people last year. And this year, I'm going to reach 200 million people. And you can help me to reach 200 million people financially on the screen on YouTube, or you can see in the comments right there on Instagram. 100 million people last year, 200 million people this year. But here's the thing. I'm doing a, a special, I don't know, what, what do you want to call it? A specialty for people that partner. Right now, I'm believing God for 100 monthly partners at $100 or more a month. And they've already been flooding in. People are excited to keep preaching the gospel. Currently, we feed 25 kids every day in the country of Nicaragua. So if that's you and you know for a fact that God is putting it on your heart right now to sow into the ministry and to become a monthly partner, you can do so at my website, RevivalWay.com. RevivalWay.com. And here's the cool thing. Anybody that joins the ministry financially today at $100 or more a month, I'm going to send you my favorite book. These are the seven laws that you must honor to have uncommon success in life by Dr. Mike Murdoch. This book changed my life. And anyone that becomes a monthly partner at $100 or more a month, you will be added into a separate Zoom group that we will be hosting Zoom sessions once a month. They're probably going to be two hours long where I answer your questions. We go into deep, deep topics, either in the word or things pertaining to evangelism or social media tips, whatever it is. I'll answer your questions and we dive in. The Bible says that God is able to make all grace abound to you when you're a joyful giver. So those of you that have been stirred up today, be empowered and enjoy and in faith to give to the work of the ministry. And if you're saying, hey, I'm not ready to be a monthly partner, but I want to give to the ministry. This is how you can give through Venmo, through Cash App, through PayPal at Revival Way, one word. So Cash App is dollar sign Revival Way. Venmo and PayPal is just at Revival Way. And I'm going to give people an opportunity to sow into the ministry. I'll give you a minute. And I'm going to pray for everybody that sends in uh, sends in financial seed today. I'm going to pray that God multiplies it back to you. I want to share a story with you really quickly. I've shared this before, but I just love this story, man. It's just crazy. The Bible says in Luke chapter 6 that when you give in life, what you give comes back to you in greater measure every time. Press down, shaken together, and running over is what it says. So I believed God. I believed his word. And I put it to the test, like he says in Malachi chapter 3. And uh, there was a time where the Lord had spoken to me to give my last $540 to another preacher. Because I needed financial breakthrough in my own life. I needed a breakthrough in my own life. 
but I didn't know how to get it. I didn't understand the laws of sowing and reaping that are in the Bible. So I took that $540 and I gave it to that preacher. Like God said, it was one of the hardest things I've ever done, but I gave it to that preacher. And a couple days later, another preacher came up to me when I was down in Florida and said, Hey, I'm going to give you a thousand dollars a month for the next 12 months. Just like that. Boom. That $540 turned into $12,000. That's what God can do with your seed. So if you're looking for breakthrough in your life, if you're looking for a miracle, if you need God to show up today, put a demand on your financial seed. That's what I've done. The other day, I put a demand on my financial seed. I blessed another pastor. I sent him $1,000. That very same day, a couple hours later, another preacher sent me $1,000. And I was preaching last week in Whittemore. We were just having these miracles pop off left and right. And a woman at the end of the night comes up and hands me a check for $1,000. When you sow into the kingdom of God, God will get it back to you, pressed down, shaken together, and running over. So believe God for a miracle today. Put a demand on your seed, whatever you're believing God for. Let me pray for your finances right now. Father, in Jesus' mighty name, every person that sows into the ministry today, I thank you that your word says that you're able to make all grace and all sufficiency abound to them in every good work. Lord, I declare their seed blessed as it comes into this good soil. And I thank you that you guarantee it will come pressed down, shaken together and running over back into their lap in Jesus' mighty name. I join my faith with them, whatever they're believing you for. And I thank you, Father, for 100 monthly partners at $100 or more a month. In Jesus' mighty name. All right, everybody. God bless you. If you're watching on Instagram, make sure you share this on your Instagram story and tag me in it. I love you so much. If you can't give through Cash App or the link in my bio, Venmo and PayPal are the same thing, at Revival Way. On Instagram and on YouTube, all the information will be in the description below. God bless you. I love you so much. And I cannot wait to see you again. Adios.